Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. God, tonight we come before you and we ask, Father, that you take absolute control. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we come before you, that you, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, take absolute control. We commit tonight into your hands. We pray, Father Almighty God, for all those that are joining online and those that are present. Father, we ask, we join our faith together and we ask for miracles. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you open the word to us and cause us to understand the mind of the Father, thus causing us to be just like him. We give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight, um, tonight as we go into the word of God, we are going through the book of Ephesians. And as we go through the book of Ephesians, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have, we're going to touch on quite a lot, but we started last week and I hope you enjoyed it. We got to verse four. What we're going to do, um, I will do what we did last week, um, tonight. And because we're still in chapter one, I'm just going to read through chapter one so that we have a clear picture. So that's Ephesians one um, from beginning to the end. And so we're going to um, pick things up from Ephesians one and then we'll go from there. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'll read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that he might gather together all in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of God, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Verse 15. Wherefore, 
I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's Ephesians 1. And so in Ephesians 1, we realize Paul is writing to a church that pops up two or three times. It's a very pivotal church, where Jesus is speaking to John, in the book of Revelations, he mentions the church, the Ephesus. Um, and so we realize Ephesus is mentioned in Paul's journey, and it's quite an important place. It's a place where there was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there was a lot of resistance to the church there. And so Paul has sent his trusted protege, um, Timothy, to become their pastor, vicar, um, bishop at that point in time. And he's writing a letter both to Timothy and to the Ephesians that this is how God wants you to function. Okay. And so last week we got to verse three, which was we got to, we read from verses one to three and we read that um, we looked at the blessed, we got to blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pick up from verse 4. We're going to pick up from verse 4, and I'll read from verse 4, and then we'll go through some of the things that you'll note that we want to notice, and we'll, we'll go from there. So verse 4 says the following, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. The next phrase is that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing I want you to realize is the fact that we are chosen. It's in the past tense. The Bible says that God has chosen you and I, and then it makes a very interesting phrase, that God has chosen you and I because we um, because we are in Christ. And the Bible says, before the beginning of time, he actually chose us. That means he selected all of us out of many. And so what I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, the this is what, as we look at tonight, as we go through tonight, the first thing we, we're presented with is the fact that you and I have been chosen. That means your life is not ordinary. What we are going through is not ordinary, but it's in the past tense. That means you and I, we're chosen. We've been chosen in Christ. And the Bible says before the foundation of the world. 
And so pause for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope this helps somebody. There is no way based up upon this phrase that you are accidental, that you don't have a future or you don't have a purpose. The Bible says God chose you, but he chose you in Christ. Now, when the reason that is a very important statement, when the Bible says we have, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, and that means anything that happens to Jesus Christ or that Christ is, ladies and gentlemen, applies to us and one of the most heartwarming phrases you'll find in the new testament is the phrase the following in him in whom in christ because that means whatever victories have come to pass in jesus christ whatever has happened to Jesus Christ, whatever Jesus has won, it is accessible. It means you and I are in exactly the same position. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you were chosen. You are not ordinary. So there's a lot that goes with being chosen. A lot. Let me give you an example. Please turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel. Chapter 16. You see, being chosen in, is indicative of a level of privilege and grace that is not given to men. Let me have a let's have a look at what that looks like. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 says the following. Wow. First Samuel 16, verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. <laughs> I, I, ladies and gentlemen I'm going to have to pause for a moment and I'll explain why um, I'm not sure who needs to hear this the magnitude of the power of the Holy Spirit currently is breathtaking and so this is what the reason this is an important study. It's not telling us what we don't have, what we should be doing, what we could have. But the Lord is telling us this is who you are. This is what you have. And this is what you have a right to, irrespective of your circumstances. And as we're speaking, and, and, I, and it, it's making me laugh, and I, and I apologize, but the 
power of the presence of the Holy Spirit as we are going through this is phenomenal. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure I pray somebody is encouraged. I really do. So, First Samuel chapter 16, we're going to read from verses 1 to verse... Uh, we're going to read from verses 1, and we're going to start with verse um, 13. Because being chosen holds within it an element of privilege, both with men, with God first, and with men second. First Samuel 16, verse 1, let's have a look at it really quickly. And the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Verse 2, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him who I name unto thee. Verse 4. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Verse 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. That means being chosen is not anything the boys did. Being chosen is something that is driven purely by the Lord. His understanding of tomorrow, his understanding of what things are. Verse, um, so let's pick it up. Verse uh, 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, And are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Notice. When you are chosen, there are benefits, privileges, and abilities that come to you that you did not earn. The Bible says that in Jesus Christ, the Lord God 
chose all of us. He chose us that have come to him in Christ. So that when you find yourself as a Christian, you can say to yourself every morning with assurance that I am chosen, that it will be different for me because God has chosen. I am privileged because I am chosen. There are benefits that are mine because I am chosen. I am not ordinary. And so all of a sudden you realize life changes because you now realize that, ladies and gentlemen, your life is not ordinary. It is that the Lord has paid close attention to who you are, what you are, and where you are going. Ladies and gentlemen, what that means is we in Christ are chosen that means out of everybody else on the planet god has an individual special relationship for you and i and the benefits of that come because we are in christ so everything that jesus christ has everything that jesus christ has access to everything that sits on jesus christ and is found in his name is legally yours and mine. And in all sincerity, that should approach the world. Because we are, that means when we come to God in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and let's please come with me to John chapter 14. And we will pick up the narrative from 12 because of time. John chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says the following. John 14, verse 12. The Bible says the following. The Bible says, Very, very, I say unto thee, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. Where? In the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Pause for a moment. When we used to read that, or when you could read that previously, you would think that, well, yeah, that's true of Jesus, but it's not true of me. That's not the case. The Bible says you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So your decision to give your life to Christ and let God live his life through you is the best decision you will ever make because there are privileges and there are benefits that go with being chosen and it is and, and what you also realize about being chosen when God wants to make something happen when you are chosen God will make you successful because he has a plan <laughs> Turn with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. Let me drive this home and then I'll move on. Turn with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're listening by podcast, I hope that I'm, um, I'm systematic enough that you can actually follow along. We're now going to turn to Genesis chapter 39. Yes. Remember, Joseph was chosen. The Bible says that God, that um, the Bible says that that Israel made Joseph a very special coat, made him a coat of many colors. He chose him. He identified that this kid was different, and he set him apart from his brothers. 
and he gave Joseph special privileges and abilities. But notice, because Joseph was chosen, listen to this about Joseph, and it will drive home a point, and then we can move on. Genesis 39, reading from verses 1 to 3, Joseph now finds himself, listen carefully, Joseph now finds himself as a servant in a strange land where he doesn't speak the language. He's literally in a whole new environment. The Bible says the following. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither, meaning he had become a servant. He was no longer free. Now he was a servant. He was taken to a land. He had no idea where he was going. He ends up in Potiphar's house. But because he is chosen, listen to what God says. Genesis 39 verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. Listen to me very carefully. That means because Joseph is chosen, God makes him prosperous. Do we agree? Okay, let's look at the second scripture. Go to the bottom of Genesis 39 and... Joseph's situation gets a little bit worse. Genesis 39, verse 21. His master puts him in prison. Things have become difficult. His master puts him in prison. And so he's not only a slave, now he's in prison. But remember, Joseph is chosen. The Bible says the following. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever he did there, he was the doer of it. They did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with Joseph and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Pause. Notice, Joseph's circumstances became adverse but because he was chosen and God was with him the Bible says God made what he did to prosper and so ladies and gentlemen I want you to understand something please hear me well in Christ Jesus and we're going to come to that phrase in a moment in Christ Jesus you and I are chosen that means we have the privilege of God being with us wherever we go. And if God is with us and he has chosen us, that means there is something specific, something he wants you to do, something he wants you to achieve. And the Bible says because he is with you, he will get it done as you walk into your new challenges. He will make you prosperous. He will cause the circumstances to favor you. 
he will make things change on your behalf because he's chosen you. Now, this is what I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen. As we go through the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is very interesting. The book of Ephesians is not telling you what you could have. It is telling you what you do have. And against all odds, the Bible says God makes the person chosen successful because God has a plan. Last scripture, ladies and gentlemen, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 10, reading from verse 38. Acts 10, verse 38. And the Bible says the following. Notice, people that are chosen, God goes with. The Bible said the spirit of the Lord, because um, David was chosen, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible says, because Joseph was chosen, the Lord was with him in any circumstance he went through. The Bible says the following, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. So ladies and gentlemen, as we begin, to, as, not as we begin, as we continue tonight, I want you to realize the biggest benefit of being chosen is that wherever you go, God is with you. And what I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, if that be the case, there is nothing that you will confront that you cannot handle. Because God will make it successful. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we realize that in Christ, we are chosen. The benefits and resources that come to us in Christ are quite remarkable. So now I'm going to read on. I'm, I'm going to continue. And the Bible says, and I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And I'm going to read on, ladies and gentlemen. And so the Bible says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, the person who chose you is the person who causes you to be holy and without blame before him in love. You, It's not something you work up. It is something that God makes a reality because he chose you. And this is one of the beautiful things about it. Because God chose you and I, the Bible says he makes you holy. The Bible says he makes sure that there is no blame when you stand before God. That means there is no accusation Satan can bring before God when you are standing before your father in Christ because you are a new person. The Bible says old things are passed away. And the Bible says that means when you stand before God, you stand before God, a righteous man. Let's look at two scriptures 
to clarify that and then we'll move on. Ladies and gentlemen, and, I, and I'll, I'll switch. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll read verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'll read it from the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. The Bible says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous, moral, and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So when you are standing before God, because you are in Christ, you are a brand new person. That means the old you, no matter how dark, no matter how damaging, the price has been paid by Jesus Christ. When you now stand before the Lord, the Bible says you are holy. You are not holy because of what you're wearing. You are not holy because of what you are doing. You are holy because of what God has done in Christ Jesus. Now, listen to me very carefully, please. That does not mean you need, uh, you, you, we wander off and do madness. No, 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 no. What it means, ladies and gentlemen, is that when we wake up and every morning come before God in Jesus Christ, please hear me well. Standing in front of your father, you are not standing as an inferior. You are standing as a person that God has made you holy. And if you are holy, the Bible says your prayers carry weight. Turn with me in the Bible, please, to James chapter 5. Verse 17, James, uh, I'll read from, actually I'll read 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible says the following, and I'm reading from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Now listen carefully, ladies and gentlemen, to the next phrase. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The Bible says, that through you being chosen in Jesus Christ, God, through his own ability and through Jesus' sacrifice, has made you holy. That means when you stand before, and the Bible says without blame, that effectively means you are a righteous man. You have right standing before God. When that means when you pray, and I want you to please understand this, when you open your mouth in prayer, power is made available, not because you are good, but because Christ has been successful. And the results of your prayers, 
will be exactly the same as if Jesus Christ was praying those prayers standing where you are standing. So ladies and gentlemen, Diana, for you. Sorry, I'm loving it. Listen to me very carefully. I hope that changes your world. I want you to understand, and this is who you are. The Bible says this is who we are. The Bible says that this is something God has made possible. Not something we have made possible. Our part in the matter was giving our lives to Christ. Whatever happened next was something that God determined before you arrived. And he said, anyone who comes to me in Christ, I will make them holy. I will make them accepted. I will make sure when they stand before me, they have no blame. And ladies and gentlemen, this is key. If there is nothing that Satan in on you, he cannot tamper with your life. Let me show you that in scripture. And then I'll come back to, and I'll come back to Ephesians. Numbers 23, reading from verse, uh, we'll pick it up from verse 7. Yes. We'll pick up the narrative from verse 17. Number 23, verse 17. A king has hired a prophet to curse Israel. And listen to what the prophet says. And it holds within it a secret regarding spiritual warfare and your standing in Christ. Numbers 23 from verse 17. I'll read from 16 for completion. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. Balak said unto him, What has the Lord spoken? Verse 18. And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. Verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Why? Why can it not be reversed? Listen carefully. Verse 21. The Bible says the following. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. And the shout of a king is among them. Let me keep reading. The Holy Spirit said keep reading. I was going to stop. Verse 22, God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. 23, 23, 
Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? Meaning, because there was no iniquity in Israel at that time, because Israel was walking the way God wanted them to walk, the Bible says the blessings cannot be turned back. That means there's nothing Satan could do that the blessings were going to stick because of the absence of iniquity. The Bible says when you now stand before God in Jesus Christ, the Bible says based upon Isaiah 53 verse 6 that for we all like sheep have gone astray but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, when you and I now stand in Christ before God, you are sinless. That means when you come up against Satan, he has nothing that he can do. He cannot change God's word over your life because he needs sin to function you are no longer a victim you are a victim let me show you that again turning your bibles to isaiah chapter 54 isaiah 54 and we will read and it's verse 17 which is a relatively famous when i say relatively famous it's a famous verse the Bible says the following, and notice the power of this verse. The Bible says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to keep something in mind. Once you are in Christ, and you remain in Christ, Satan cannot tamper with your destiny. Neither he can, neither can he tamper with your life, your body. He has no right to tamper with your benefits. He has no right to tamper with your job, your family, your children. He has no right to tamper with the times and the seasons concerning you because you are a righteous man. But if you and I don't know this, we can be deceived. And so ladies and gentlemen, from this day forward, if you, when you wake up in the morning, say to yourself, I am chosen and I am righteous before God. I am blameless. Why? Because I am in Christ. And realization will give you, the Bible says it's much better than I can. John chapter 8, reading from verse 32, says the following, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that you and I, John 8, 32, 
you and I, ladies and gentlemen, in Christ are sinless and righteous. When you stand before the Lord, you are sinless. That means when you now speak God's word in authority, there is nothing in the universe, nothing in the universe that can stop you. Nothing. And so ladies and okay, very lovely question. It says, sir, is it possible to reverse or cancel all the ways Satan has deceived one? Yes, you, you can. This is the key. When you now realize this is mine and I have been stolen from, the Bible says the thief must restore sevenfold. How can you change it? Because if you now begin to say what God says about you, you will change your work. When you now begin to declare that the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places, that God has given me favor because of what Christ has done, I am walking in the power, glory, and ability of the almighty God. God is with me as I go to work. God is with me as I go to school. God is with me in my marriage. God is with me going forward. And God said that I am righteous. That means the works of Satan have no longer have hold over me. When you begin to declare that day after day after day, your circumstances will change. Can you turn round what he has taken by deception? Yes, because he cannot destroy it. He can only steal it. That means it can be what? Recovered. Are we together? That's a wonderful question. Wonderful question. Can you get it back? Yes, you can. When you begin to declare God's truth over your life, things will begin to change. And this is the beautiful thing about the book of Ephesus. So let's go Ephesus chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesus chapter 1, and we're looking at verse 4 before him. And the key element is this. This is this is the last place we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at tonight. Um the Bible says. According as he has chosen us in him, Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in what? Love. Two things I want you to notice. Number one, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, the Lord made a decision concerning you that means nothing on this side of eternity can undo what god has decided on that side of eternity that means when you come back to god restoration is available through our lord and savior jesus christ the bible says that jesus said i will give you a fresh start 
I will change your circumstances. That's what Jesus promises. First John chapter one, reading from verses eight and nine. It's really important. Second thing I want you to understand, the Bible says, hear me well. God is interacting with you in love. That means when you stand before God, you are standing before the Almighty in love. Turning your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to the first book of John, chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 8 to 10. The Bible says the following. So let's understand what love is. When you're standing before God, let's understand what he means by you're standing before God in love. 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Pause. Notice. It is love that pays the price so that you and I can be with God. So please remember, whenever you are standing before God, you are not standing before God on your own merit. You are standing before the Lord because he has reached out to you in love. How did he do that when he sent Jesus Christ of Nazareth? So please keep what I'm about to say in mind. That means irrespective of your circumstances, the love of God is on your side. You are standing before your father in love unless they can put Jesus back on the cross unless they can undo his sacrifice, unless they can undo the work of the blood, unless they can undo what God determined before time began, you and your father are together. And that means failure is not an option. And I want you to please hold on to that. That, that means when you, when, when you come before God, when you have a need, when you stand in prayer, when you lift your arms in worship, when you lift your arms in praise, God does not respond because we are wonderful. God responds because Jesus is wonderful. And he said, you and I are now in him. So when he looks at us, he sees Christ. All the benefits that Christ has, he pours on us. And that changes things. So no matter how adverse your circumstances are, you can be assured God has not left you. You can be assured that God is on your side and he's about 
to turn it around. The most powerful transformational force in the universe is the love of God. Because it is the love of God that moves us from darkness to light. And so ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that you are standing before God based upon a decision that predates creation. Based upon the actions that cannot be undone of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This reason is why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, and we will read verse 16. Actually, yes, we'll read verse 16. The Bible then says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Verse 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That means because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because his ministry mission, life, death, and resurrection were successful, when you and I now come before God, we can come what? Boldly. That means, ladies and gentlemen, your prayer life, your this is this, it changes the game. And it changes the game beautifully when we realize that God has done more for us than we can ever imagine. You are not a victim. And the reason I'm, I'm saying this, and this is, and I'm, I'm going to pause here for a moment. The reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that God is on your side. He made the decision before time began. No matter what you are going through, God will not be denied. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians 13. This is probably going to be one of the last scriptures we have a look at. I'm going to read, actually, I'm going to read it, if you don't mind, ladies and gentlemen, in the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to read from 4 to 8. The Bible says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmanly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, 
but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Seven, love bears up under anything, and everything that comes is ever and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. And then please hear me what I'm about to say. Verse eight, love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and passed away. Pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. For as for knowledge, it will pass away, will lose its value and be superseded by truth. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says love never fails. When we read that, usually we think of the way we treat others. When you read that, I want you to understand that is how God treats you. That means, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing you are going to throw at your father who loves you. And the Bible says love's going to win out. The love of God is going to win out. You are going to become what God wants you to become. God's going to come through for you. The love of God is going to ensure that God's intention concerning you becomes a reality. As you stand before God in love, you don't stand there in fear. You stand there in faith and confidence that because of what God has done, your going into the presence of your father will be successful. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as you lift up your voice in prayer, as you declare God's word over your circumstances, as you obey what God says he says you should do, as you walk by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as you do what Jesus said you should do, know for a fact it's going to be successful, not because of what you and I have done, but because what God has achieved in Christ Jesus. You don't stand before your father, a reformed sinner. You stand before your father as his child. That's how he sees you. And that means whatever Jesus has won is accessible to you and I. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end the Bible study in a very interesting way. I'm going to ask you to lift your voice up, and I just want you to pray based upon what you just heard. I want you to present to God that long-standing issue. I want you to present to God the things that you have screamed at the darkness about. I want you to present to the Lord what your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations are. And I want you to present them with the newfound confidence that you are standing before him in love you are standing before him chosen you are standing before him righteous blameless you have the advantage i want you to pray concerning your health your future your children your desires this country what happens with the confidence and knowledge that god has caused you and i to be chosen 
to be holy, to be loved. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as we bring tonight to a close, we join our faith together. And we just lift our voices in prayer and we just would ask that as you lift your voices, pray for this country. Pray for this country right now because we need it. Pray for the church in this country. Pray for the government in this country. Pray for peace in this country. Pray that the word of God concerning you and I becomes a reality. That we walk into a season where we will see the word of God become a reality in our lives. Not because we are special, but because what Jesus has done at Calvary cannot be undone. If you're believing God for a miracle, I specifically join my faith with yours tonight. I honestly believe God with you that tonight God will bless you and keep you. That God will strengthen you and he will keep you in all ways and in all things. May God turn the situations around so that his name may be glorified. May God give you strength if he takes you through it. And may God give you a miracle because you need it. May God's kindness and grace attend your way, ladies and gentlemen. God will be with you and God will be kind to you. I pray that your prayer life from this moment forward becomes a force in this nation because you are chosen, because you are blameless and because you are loved in Christ. Have a wonderful night, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you in all ways and in all things. I'll see you next week. 